Healthy things continue to grow. Healthy things continue to grow. In my, op- in my office is a really sensitive plant. I have a plant in my office. I like, I like the plant. It's a peace plant. But if I neglect it, if I go a week without watering, it starts to droop, right? It starts to get thin. Its leaves begin to wither. You know, I think if you took a person, a healthy person, and you put them in a hospital, one of those gowns, right? I mean, just putting on one of those gowns, you feel worse, right? I mean, just, you feel terrible just putting on one of those gowns. But if you, if you fed them the food, right? Sorry, hospital people, but it's bad, and you know it. We know it, and you know it. You feed them that food, you take their temperature, you, you, uh, you, you just sort of visit them and ask them constantly how they're doing. I think they start to wither a little bit too. But if you take somebody who needs a hip replacement and you, you go through that, that surgery and w- w- what's the first thing that they do after, after you wake up when you get a hip replacement or a knee replacement? What do they do? They get you out of bed. What is wrong with these people? It's incredible. It's just like, wait, didn't, you just got in and replaced my joint and you want me to stand on it? And that's what you do. That's what you do. It lays down bone, you know. It, 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 by, by using it, right, by exercising, by doing the thing that, that your body is designed to do, it, it heals. You know, see, so too with our spiritual lives, with our faith. How do we grow spiritually? And the answer is exercise. From the Word of God, Mark Chapter 12. This is called the Great Command. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, that is, Jesus answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared ask him any more questions. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God bless us now through your word, not only to our minds to understand it, but to our hearts to receive it, that to our lives we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. I said exercise is the way you continue to grow spiritually. Now someone will say, well, that sounds like it's up to me. It sounds like my growth is on me. Well, close. Let's put it this way. Have you ever tried out for a team? Have you ever 
wanted to be on that team, whether it was a sports team or maybe another group, maybe, uh, maybe you're a musician, but you're on in this group, and, and you weren't in the group, and now you're in the group. And leading up to that time, you know, it's all about proving yourself. It's all about, uh, it's about earning that spot. Well, the amazing thing about grace is you don't have to earn your spot. You're on the team. And so once you make the team, once you make the team, your attitude is a little different, isn't it? I mean, if you know that, that the coach is for you and, and believes in you or the, or the conductor or, or whatever group that you're a part of, if you know and you have the confidence that you're there, now your energy can go in a different direction. It can go in the direction of becoming something more than you are. Becoming all that you have the potential to be. It's, it's not to earn something, but through your effort. You see, there's a difference. Earning, earning is that place of, of tension, of, of anxiety, of worry, of concern, of uncertainty. But effort, effort is a place of possibility, of responsibility and possibility. And so this morning, let's take a look at how we're called to love God with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strength, but really focused on this morning, the soul, the soul. A friend of mine, David Oakes, some of you know him, said to me recently, he said, you know, who we are is God's gift to us. Who we become is our gift to God. So where do we start? Where do we start with loving God with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strength? Let's start with the soul, with the whole piece of it, the whole part of it. Because everything about you is part of your soul. And let's, let's look at the way we're called to coach our souls in our responsibility and in our possibilities. This morning, Skylar read from Psalm 103, and you can see this in Psalm 103. You can see this in, in Psalm 42. What's this? This is our call to be our own coach of our own soul, our own soul's coach. I've referred to this before, but let's look at what it looks like. How do we coach our soul? How do we coach our soul? By, by taking up our responsibility and taking up our possibility. So first, responsibility. Responsibility. We're responsible to, to, for our souls to heal up. We're responsible for that. We have, we have the responsibility to take every layer, to be discerning about every layer of our life, heart, soul, mind, and strength. There are various different layers of your life and to be discerning about what the needs are, to have attention to those needs, is part of the call. See, we're, we're very complex. A lot of times what we think is, when we're spiritual people, we think that the answer is sort of a spiritual answer. And we spiritualize everything. And if there's somebody who's clinically depressed, sometimes people are very abusive. And they say, well, this person just needs to pray more. If you're clinically depressed, you need to see a doctor. You need, you need some medication. You may need some help for a period of time. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's what your body is experiencing, if there's, if there's a, is some chemical imbalance in you that needs to be corrected for a period of time, then don't spiritualize it away. Sometimes people, people just feel down and depressed. And sometimes people will, will say to them, well, you just need to pray more. You need to... You need to read more scripture. And we spiritualize away something that might be a very practical concern. Uh, 
Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones is often quoted in this respect, this idea that there's this false separation between body and mind and spirit, a false separation, this dissection of the soul as though they weren't all a part of one. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a, was a physician for a long period of time, and then he became a, a pastor in Great Britain. And he's often quoted in this kind of uh, context because of having worked both on the body and on the soul. The care of bodies and the care of souls. And he said this, You cannot isolate the spiritual from the physical, for we are body, mind, and spirit. The greatest and the best Christians, when they are physically weak, are more prone to attack of spiritual depression than at any other time. And there are great illustrations of this in Scripture. Well, I found one. Elijah. Elijah was fleeing from Mount Horeb, fleeing from King Ahab, the seventh king of Israel, a bad king. He was an effective king, an effective ruler, but he was, he was an unfaithful king. And Elijah was running from him, and he felt terrible. He felt as though uh, the whole world were against him, and he was exhausted. He was just tired. He had been running, and he had been pouring himself out. He had, been, he, he had been taking everything in his life and every part of his life and pouring it out for the sake of his beloved Israel. He was trying to call people back to faithfulness, and he was giving and giving all he could give. And he was wiped out. And this is what he's quoted as saying in 1 Kings. He says this, He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. That's pretty low. Lord, just take me out, will you? Just, I'm done, all right? I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying they're, they're gone, they're dead. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I, obviously, I'm not being very effective. I gave it a good shot. Let's go. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. An angel touched him and said, get up and practice meditation. Get up and read scripture. Get up and pray more. Get up, get on your knees. What's your problem, Elijah? It's a spiritual problem. No, he said, get up and eat. Eat what? Check this out. An angel made breakfast. All right? If you've seen an angel, do you expect him to be, you know, sort of standing over the ham and eggs? I mean, no. We don't have that expectation. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Well, it goes on. You can read the rest of it. It goes on, and he's tired, and he gets up, and the angel says, get up and eat again. You've got a journey ahead. You've got more ahead of you. You've got... You got to keep going. And you know what you need? You need a good breakfast. You need, you need second breakfast. All right, some of y'all will like that. You need a second breakfast, right? You know, I just, that just occurred to me. Now, maybe, that, maybe that's what, uh, what uh, J.R.R. Tolkien had in mind was this passage. Second breakfast for a journey ahead. 
You see, we, we want to dissect ourselves into body, mind, and spirit. We're souls. We don't have a soul. We are souls. The whole of you is a soul. There are a couple different words, I think, that bring some confusion around this. Two different, um, uh, in the original uh, language, Greek language, zoe and suke. Zoe is, is the word for life. Suke is also a word for life. And I think sometimes these get confused. And zoe is the, the life that God breathes into us, the new life that God breathes into us through his spirit. You can read all about that in Romans 8. It talks about God bringing new life in the spirit. Now, that, that life, we, we have a part of that spirit. We have sort of a, a, a seed of that spirit in each one of us. Jesus talks about the mustard seed. But the spirit of God is so much more and bigger and in and through and transcends all things. And so you, you can't say that, that the believer's life is reduced down to just that renewing breath. It's breathing life into what? Into you. You're an individual conscience. You are body, mind, and spirit. And God breathes life into you to bring new life, to, to renew your broken life. But suke is different. Suke is the idea that there is an essence to life, right? So Shakespeare said, brevity is the soul of wit. The soul of wit. What is he saying? He's saying it's the essence of wit. When you boil, you know, boil it down to its essence, what are we really talking about when we're talking about wit? We're talking about something brief. Brevity is the soul of wit. And so when we're talking about the soul, a lot of times you hear people talking about the essence of you. And we hear it as though it were just some part of you. But you have to understand that that the significance here is that the soul of you has layers, and every layer has spiritual ramifications and responsibilities. We're responsible for the way we spend our money. We're responsible for our thought life. We're responsible for the way that, uh, that, that our heart is beating, the way that... that, uh, that our diet and exercise affects our moods. We're responsible for these things. And so you think, well, I'm, I'm so far from God and I, I don't know where he is. Well, you know, it may be that you just simply need a little bit of diet and exercise, a good walk, a good night's sleep. And sometimes we, we complicate it or we spiritualize it and we forget we are responsible because what... what uh, what you are is God's gift to you. What you become is your gift to God. So that's the first step in coaching your soul is to look and be discerning about what's really going on with you. What layer is the problem? And don't spiritualize it away and don't excuse it away or deflect your responsibility to your mind and body and spirit by just simply saying, just pray more. Now, sometimes there's an opposite problem and people... People do, and I, I recognize this, that people do reduce everything down to just body, right? And they say, well, you just need to take a pill, right? Recognize that all of it, all of it is your soul. All of you belongs to God. But second, there are possibilities, not just responsibilities, not just to coach ourselves into our responsibilities, but to coach ourselves into greater possibilities, to become the person that God sees you could be. 
to become the person God recognizes you're called to be. He's called you to be. And that means you need to always be having a revolution. A revolution. Let me read to you from G.K. Chesterton. He talks about this. He says this. If you leave a thing alone, you leave it to a torrent of change. <laughs> right? Now think about this in terms of conservative conservatism, right? You want something to stay. You know, if you leave something static, guess what? You've just consigned it to change. If you leave a white post alone, it will soon be a gray post. If you particularly want it to be white, you must always paint it again and again. That is, you must always have a revolution. So, the idea of being renewed, that the, that the church, us as a body of Christ, that we're being renewed and we're always renewing. That when Jesus uses the idea of a wellspring, he's talking about something that's bubbling up, a freshness, a freshness that's always welling up, welling up and welling over, welling up and welling over in this new year. In this new year, are you, are you drinking brackish water? Are you just sort of circling the cul-de-sac? Are you just sipping on or tasting day-old bread instead of daily bread? We're called to greater possibilities, and that means we're called to constantly be having a revolution. Renewal as a way of life, in other words. There are principles, right? Principles of Renewal, there are principles of relating. There are principles that Scripture lays down that says, here's how you were designed to grow. And when we understand what those principles are and when we live by those principles, guess what happens? You keep growing. If I don't water my plants, it starts to tell me. It starts to get all pathetic on me and complain. Very sensitive plant, right? You are sensitive like that. You need attention. You need to recognize that, that the way you're functioning, the way you're always doing, the way you're doing things, we're, we're along the way. We're not quite there yet. And so we have to bring into alignment our lives, our communication, our body, mind, and spirit into alignment with the principles that God lays down for us in Scripture and to understand where those are and what those are and how to apply them. Let me give you just one example of what I'm talking about when I say always be having a revolution. Um, I love sitting with, with young couples who are going to be starting their lives. It's just such a privilege, and it's so much fun. I mean, I just have so much fun. They have fun because I just, I just get a kick out of it. It's a riot, really. I mean, it's just hilarious. They come in, and they think they know each other. They have no idea who each other is, right? And I say, well... Make a list for me of, of things that you want from each other. Just make a list. And then tell them to each other. And it's always amazing to watch this unfold, right? They'll say something that the other person wants, and it's like the first time they've actually risked saying this, right? First time they've taken this risk. And I'll say, this is going to sound kind of awkward, but I want you to follow the rules of, how, uh, of engagement here. I want you to follow these rules for how I want you to talk to each other, okay? And 
there are rules about loving your neighbor. It's rules about, you know, the golden rule, like we talked about last week, doing others as you would have them do unto you. And so these rules line up with the principle of relating well, right? Not assuming something about the other person, not assuming that you understand what they mean, not assuming what they really mean under what they mean, because a lot of times what we do is we, we tell you the surface thing, we give you just a little peek at what it is, and then we run off and we start dealing with it as though that were the thing she was talking about or he was talking about. The first thing they bring up isn't the thing itself. Did you know that? I mean, that's not the thing. So you get them to talk to each other until they get down to these other layers that are more revealing. And then all of a sudden, something beautiful happens, something amazing happens, something magical happens. They connect on a level of soul that they never connected on, an emotional level they really never connected on. They begin to develop a sense of trust and understanding that they'd never done before. It's a principle of relating well, you see? And it happens again and again and again. And if it weren't a principle, then it would work for some and it wouldn't work for others. If it's not working for you, then you're violating the principle, you see? And that's exactly what having a revolution is all about. It's to say, you know what? I'm probably making all kinds of assumptions about the people around me and about myself. How can I be more discerning in 2021? about what I really need, about how to relate well to God, to myself, and to the people around me. How can I do that? By having a revolution. Because we're called to, to bring all before him. Not just part or just not good enough or you got there and that's good and that, all right, God, that's, you've gotten me this far and I guess I'll just kind of put it on cruise control and I'll just kind of go through my motions and I'll check these boxes and, you know, everything seems to be fine. But if you want to keep growing, you have to be constantly having a revolution. Not, not a pressure thing, but a possibility thing, you see? The things that are broken that you're frustrated about, the things that you keep bumping into again and again, where does it come back to? Just trying harder, just praying harder? Or having a revolution, being able to see yourself, discerning it, the layers, discerning what layer is the problem here. And so let's, let's wrap this up by thinking about how then can we apply both our call to coach ourselves into our responsibilities to heal up and our call to the possibility to grow up. How can we apply this more practically? I'm going to just give you seven. I just, I just came up with these few, and, and um, you can come up with a dozen more. But here are just a few practical ways to apply what I'm talking about here. Go to bed a half hour early this year and wake up half an hour early. Try it. Turn off the screens. Get away from the screens a half hour earlier. Just go to bed a half hour earlier this year and wake up a half hour earlier and maybe decide what you're going to do with that extra half hour in the productive part of your day. You say, well, I'm not a morning person. Well, maybe that's because you're staying up too late. So go to bed a half hour earlier and wake up half hour earlier because it doesn't matter when you Start the sleep and stop the sleep. It's kind of like it's going to be the same thing. You're just kind of shifting it a half an hour. Second, find a reading plan maybe for that half hour. And Tuesday's Pulse will have some for you. You can take a look at uh, staff picks. 
meets to walk with someone. I've told you before that I, I was a consistent runner in college and in, in seminary only because people were, would be waiting there without me and I would be embarrassed at breakfast, right? Find someone. Go walk, go run, go ride. Go play some pickleball. Do something. Find a new discipline. Meet with someone. Have a date night. Number four, have a date night. If you're married, pick a time, stick to it, expect it, build everything else around it, prioritize your relationship. Make a weekly prayer journal. Pick a slot. This is the last one. Pick a time slot for any of these things. Just pick a time slot. This is, this is as spiritual as anything. It's to say, look, I know that there are things in my life that aren't getting done, and they're perpetually never going to happen until I choose the exact time and place that that's going to happen. In 2021, you're a complex creature made in the image and nature of God. You're a soul with a lot of layers that take some discernment. We're called to be responsible, to coach our souls in the responsibilities he's given to us, to coach our souls into greater possibilities. Start small. Start with one small step because who you are today is God's gift to you. Who you become is your gift to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you that you have walked this same walk. That you are fully God, but you are fully hum human. That you knew what it was like to taste and touch and smell and hear and feel. Lord, we, we thank you for the ways that you modeled for us the big life, the abundant life. God, in 2021, find us in those places where we're running from you and help us, Lord, not only to listen to you, but to listen to ourselves as our own souls coach. In Jesus' name.